Lord, this morning, I am very aware of my unworthiness and my inadequacy to proclaim this word today. God, I thank you that you have proclaimed it through song today. God, I thank you for words and melodies and the voices of your people lifted up that have illustrated and demonstrated your worthiness, that we have participated today with the angels in the ongoing steadfast worship of you, our steadfast God. So Lord, may you speak to us now through your word. God, I pray that it would be an encouragement to each one of us in all of our places of discouragement. God, in all of our places of apathy, Lord, I pray that it would bring challenge. In our places of despair, I pray that it would bring hope. And God, I pray that your word today would call us and make us, form us, shape us into a people of steadfast worship. Amen. So this morning, we are finishing our time together on our series of our church's calling to be a people of steadfast worship. We believe that this is one of our church's key characteristics, steadfast worship. And uh, here at Broadway, we say this, that we serve a faithful God who never fails us. We serve a faithful God who never fails us. His steadfast love draws us to steadfast worship. Just want to point out again that the adjective steadfast describes God first. If we are steadfast in any way, it's because he has been steadfast in his love toward us. Everything begins with God, with his faithfulness to us, with his steadfast love that overflows into our lives for the ways that he has revealed himself to us the ways that he has saved saved us, and we come to know him and experience him through our response of worship to this God who has extended his steadfast love and care to us. So this adjective, steadfast, is an adjective that first describes the God that we worship here at Broadway Christian Church. And we want to worship God always and continually and forever, Because God's faithfulness and love is always and continually and forever for us. Let me say that again. We want to be a people who worship God continually and always and forever because God's faithfulness and love is always and continually and forever for us. So this characteristic of steadfast worship that we've been talking about this fall is a response to who God is and what he has done in his steadfast love and mercy and kindness and generosity and grace towards us. And so today, as we finish up, um, we're going to be taking a look at a couple chapters in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, chapter 4 and 5, as we consider steadfast worship. We have already sung a lot of these two chapters today. You all have already preached this sermon, certainly better than I can. Revelation chapter 4 and 5, these two chapters describe, Revelation 4 and 5, these two chapters describe both the steadfast God 
and the steadfast worship offered to him forever. So these two chapters describe our steadfast God, and it also describes our steadfast worship that is offered to him forever. So almost two years ago now, it's hard to believe, we preached through Revelation and came to Revelation 4 and 5. And we looked at these two chapters when we preached through the book of Revelation. But just as a reminder to you, or for those who weren't here, Revelation was written by John, one of Jesus' disciples, while he was exiled on the island of Patmos because of his faith in Jesus. And while he was on that island, he had a series of visions. And throughout the book, John says that doors are open to him, and he gets a peek into the spiritual or the heavenly world. And in one of those visions, in Revelation 4 and 5, a door opens, and John has the greatest vision that anyone has ever had. In these two chapters, John gets a glimpse into the throne room of heaven. This is the greatest vision any human being has ever had. A glimpse into the throne room of heaven. Again, we've sung a lot of this, but I'm going to read it for us. Revelation chapter 4. Let's hear God's word. John writes, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders, and they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. And the first living creature was like a lion, and the second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying, steadfast worship, day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Is he worthy? He is. He is. Chapter 4, verse 2. John sees a throne, and there's someone sitting on it. Amen? 
The throne of heaven is not empty. There's someone there. God is in charge. We need to be reminded of this. Maybe you today especially need to be reminded of this because of what's going on in your life today. Maybe a lot of it doesn't make sense. Maybe there's someone in your life who is suffering without good cause, it seems to you. Maybe you are suffering without good cause today. And what is the meaning of all of that? What is the purpose of all of that? And is there going to be any good, any justice that comes of this? Remember today that John saw into the throne room of heaven and there was a throne and there was someone sitting on it. God is in charge. He is in control of every detail of your life. The throne of heaven is not empty. And John tells us that all around the throne, there is worship that is happening. Revelation 4 and 5 is John's description in the very best that human language can describe. Throughout this chat, these chapters, John is often saying, it was like this, and it was like this, and it was like this. I wish I could say it better, but it was like this. And so I'm in good company and feeling my inadequacy to proclaim this word today because John himself, as he saw this throne room, was only giving the very best that human language could offer to describe those things that he saw. In verse 9, it says that the four living creatures never stop singing, never stop singing, never stop singing, steadfast worship. All thy works with joy surround thee. Earth and heaven reflect thy rays. Stars and angels sing around thee. Center of unbroken praise. Center of unbroken praise. John says that he looked and he saw a throne in all of creation around that throne, worshiping God in unbroken, never-ending praise. Minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. Decade after century, after century, after millennia, worship. Unbroken praise. In this vision in Revelation 4 and 5, John says that there are four different songs that are sung by the elders and by creation and by the angels. And we're going to take a look today at each of these four songs to help us better understand the steadfast worship that is forever offered to our steadfast God. The first song comes in verse 8. In this first song, we worship God simply because of who he is. Verse 8, each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. In this first song that John heard, nothing is said about anything that God has done. None of his works, none of his actions. It's simply a song of praise about who God is. 
It's a praise. It's praising God that he exists, that he is real, that he always was, is, and forever will be, and that he is holy, holy, holy. A hint to this triune God that we've been learning about more this fall. God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, holy, holy, holy. And for all eternity, he was and is and forever will be. And for all eternity, he has existed in perfection, in perfect joy and in perfect love. He did not need to make us. He did not need human beings because he was lonely. God was and is completely happy without any need And this is the idea that that we've talked about throughout this fall, that God is worthy of our worship, not only because what he has done for us, but simply for who he is. And because of that, because of his nature, creation never stops singing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Song number two comes in verses 9 through 11. And in this song, the elders, the people of God, represented by the, uh, they represent the people of God, they worship God for his work in creation. Verse 9, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. In this second song, the people of God, again, represented by these 24 elders, they bow before the one who is on the throne and they give work to God for his creation. We worship God for who he is, and we worship God for what he has done by creating all things. And isn't his creation wonderful? Isn't his creation good? This past week, many of you gathered around a table and you ate a good meal. Isn't it amazing that God's world tastes good? God could have made the world otherwise. Everything could have tasted like boiled potatoes without any salt and pepper. But it doesn't. God's creation tastes wonderful. Turkey and roast beef. Pineapple and kiwi. Warm bread and butter. God's creation, the work of his hands, are wonderful. There's so many of us who experience God most profoundly, most intimately when we are outside in his creation, walking in the woods, looking up at the night sky. This was in my own experience with God, the first time where he met me in, in, in a very real and personal way. I was at a church camp when I was about 12 or 13 years old, and I was sitting outside of my teepee at Indian Village Camp in Southern California, looking up at a clear, crystal clear night sky, and saw the thousands upon thousands, millions of stars And in that moment, realized how big that God was and how small I was. 
God was revealed to me in his wonderful and good creation. Worthy are you, Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and are created. Song number three. This is a song that the angels sing. Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and wept because no one who was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. This scroll is most likely describes God's eternal plan from beginning to end. What his plans and his purposes are for all of creation. And Jesus is the one who is worthy to unlock and show us the meaning and purpose of God's creation. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. In this song here at the beginning of chapter 5, The elders and then the angels join in, worshiping God for his work of redemption, for his work of salvation. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about angels. We get glimpses throughout the Bible here and there about what they are and what they do, but we don't know a lot about them. But what this song here suggests to me is that the angels are the main audience of God's drama of redemption. In Luke chapter 15, after Jesus tells this parable about a woman who had lost a coin and couldn't find it anymore and then found it and then invited all of her friends to celebrate because she had lost her one coin or found her one coin, Jesus says, in the same way, The angels in heaven rejoice when just one sinner turns and comes to God in repentance. We don't know a lot about the angels, but one thing we do know is that they are watching us. They are the audience of God's work of redemption. 
Not sure if you've heard or not, but there's a little soccer tournament taking place right now. And literally billions of people throughout the world will tune in at one point or another and be the audience of this tournament. What would the World Cup be without the audience? It would just be 22 guys running around on a field chasing a ball. God's work of redemption deserves an audience. And part of that audience is the angels. The angels, it seems to me, in light of this song that they sing as they give praise to God for his redemptive work through the slain lamb, the angels were watching when God created the world and took dust and formed it and blew his own life into it and made human beings in his image. I bet that was a surprise to the angels. We don't know much about what angels look like, but they are not made in God's image. That honor is an honor given to human beings. And then the angels watched as human beings dishonored that image, disobeyed God, forgot God, turned our backs on God, and they have watched as you and I over and over have dishonored the image that we were made in. And the angels have then watched over and over and over again as God has made a way for human beings to be redeemed again and again and again. They watch in wonder, maybe in awe, maybe in confusion, as God even then sends his own son into the world to suffer and to die. The angels watched as the Son of God, the Lion of Judah, was beaten and spit on and hung up onto a cross to die. I bet that was a surprise to the angels who were watching. Throughout the book of Revelation, the throne is called the throne of God and of the Lamb. And the angels are gathered around the throne in praise because they have been watching the wonderful and beautiful and creative and surprising way that God has chosen to redeem the world. Consider this, that the angels have been the audience to your own salvation and redemption. Jesus tells us that when one person turns to God, that there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels. They have been an audience, a witness to your own salvation. Think about the kindness of God in your life. Consider the ways that you have fallen, the mistakes that you have made, how far you have gone to dishonor the image that God has marked on you, his own. And I wonder if maybe sometime the angels have looked at some people and said, I wonder if that one has gone too far. Only to watch as God redeems and saves again. Do they continue to be surprised as God's mercy and redemption as they watch this drama unfold? Friends, What I'm about to say is the most important thing that you can hear. 
the redemption that the slain lamb offers and that the elders and the angels sing about. It is a redemption that is for you. Your salvation, your eternal life is based on this work of the slain lamb who is seated on the throne. Have you received today this gift of redemption that is offered to you through the slain lamb? In Luke 15, it says that the angels of God rejoice when one sinner turns and repents and comes to God. The angels are watching and they are waiting and they are wondering if you will turn so that they can give praise to God for it. Eternal life is on offer to you today through the work of this slain lamb on the throne. And the angels are ready to throw a party if you will come and turn and come to him. In this vision, John turns and looks, and remember, what did he see? Not a powerful roaring lion, but a little slain lamb. Jesus is called the lamb 28 times in the book of Revelation. The lamb who was slain for the salvation of the whole world and for the salvation of your own life, for your own redemption. The angels have been the audience of God's good and generous and creative and over-the-top work of redemption. And they sing about it here in Revelation chapter 5. They join around the throne and they give their own steadfast worship to our and their steadfast God for this drama of redemption that has been playing out over the history of the world and in your own life. I think that's what this song is about. Song number four is all together now. Everyone is invited to sing. Verse 13, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. In song number four, John sees that all creation sings together, the animals and and God's people and the angels and every tribe and tongue and language and nation and people, everyone gathered around the throne singing praise to our good God. What I want to suggest to you is this, as we finish our time thinking about our calling to be people of steadfast worship, is that you and I are being invited Right now, not not only when we die and go to heaven, but right now, we are invited to join in on this, in this never-ending time of worship. That in our day-to-day lives, and when we come here on Sunday mornings, we are being invited to worship the one who is on the throne. We can join together right now with the angels around the throne and the four living creatures representing all of creation and worship our creator and Lord. When we gather here on Sunday mornings as God's people, we are entering in, participating in an activity that has already started, that's already begun. Worship of the Lord of all creation didn't start at 10 a.m. this morning. It was going on well before that. And we'll go on well after we shut the lights off here and all go home. 
When we sing, when we bring our offerings, when we listen to and submit to God's word, when we gather around the communion table, we are participating in this unbroken praise that has been going on forever and ever. And God is inviting us, calling us to join in, to participate in this never-ending, forever and ever unbroken praise. He's invited you to participate right now. When you leave and, and drive home, When you go to your homes and when you go to your workplaces, when you bow your heads before your meal to give thanks to God, when you love your neighbor, all of this is worship. It's it's all a joining into this image of Revelation 4 and 5 of all creation gathered around giving worship to God. We've returned many times to Romans chapter 12 the last few months It tells us that our worship is when we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And so when you reach out to your neighbor who is hurting, when you take a meal to your brother or sister who is sick, when you visit the one in prison or the one who's in hospital, when you gather together with your small group to bear one another's burdens and to study God's word and to sing together and to pray together, when you lay your head down in bed at night and remember God and his work in his life, in your life, and give him praise for it, all of this is a way that you are joining together in this unbroken praise, this steadfast worship that is now and forever will be. 1 Corinthians 10 says that whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So Broadway, we have been called to be a people of steadfast worship, and we are being invited today and every moment of every day to participate in this steadfast worship that is going on right now and will go on forever and ever and ever. So would you join me now and let's ask God to make us faithful to this calling. Our God in heaven, we... We declare first that you are worthy of our worship. Our worship and our attention, our devotion, you are worthy of all of it. And so, God, we confess again to you today the the ways in our, our life that we fall short of that. When we go after other gods, when we disobey your word, when we dishonor the image that you've marked us with. Lord, we ask that you would lift up our heads and turn them to you that you would remind us that right now all of creation and the angels and your people are gathered together in praise and worship of you. And Lord, I pray that we would know that and join in with it in every action and in every word that we speak. Lord, we need your help. We ask that you, by your spirit, would make us this kind of people. Amen.